I apologize that there was no shear last week. I've been under the weather and still not feeling too great. Um, but with Hashem's help, we'll push through, and um, everybody should be zeichet to refuah shalema, Um Also been a pretty busy couple of days. With Hashem's help yesterday, I was zeichet to be involved in an amazing project on behalf of Meaningful Minute um, for their Shiva Sarvatamas film, is Hashem, that's going to be coming out in a week. We went to uh, some really, really amazing places in the old city, right around the Kotel area, the southern wall, and at the base of the western wall, but not the Kotel part, where Mamish, you could sit with the Khurban, like literally. Um, myself and, and Rav Shlomo Katz, Rav Itiel Goldwicht of, of Eishat Torah, and we just freestyled. There was, there was no script, there was no, uh, it was just us getting together to sit with the Chorban and, and, and try to share our own feelings and experiences and thoughts and stories and songs. And um, it was about a seven hour ordeal. It was like much the whole day. Ordeal is, is, uh, sounds negative. Well, I guess in the context of Tisha B'Av it wasn't positive, um, or Shabbat Sarvatamas, but it, it, it was a blessing. It was, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, Mamish amazing to be with those chevra in that place and connecting so deeply and uh, so whoever has to edit that is going to have a fun time and trying to get that down to an hour and choose what to keep and what to cut out because it was gold it, w- it was so good hopefully they'll just cut out everything I said and just keep you know Shlom or BTL um, but uh, I'm sure they'll find some way to you know mix it together and, and make something beautiful out of it because it was really it was really something special so I can't wait to share that all with you but that was yesterday, and Hashem gave me a special siyata de shemaya, because I was mamish in bed the whole entire week, knocked out. I wonder if COVID's going around again. I don't know. So weak. Mamish weak. And then, um, and then this morning, I did the final shoot for, uh, for the Tush Torah series, which also took a lot out of me. So I'm, I'm a little bit winded. But we're going to try, with Hashem's help. We're going to try to learn. We're going to try to connect. And b'schus um, all of you for joining together. And it's a joint, it's a joint process of trying to get connected to what the Rebbe is telling us, and obviously out to the So we want to thank our anonymous sponsor. The shir is graciously dedicated by anonymous and the schus of Dveikus and Muna and Simcha Guula and Yeshua Prati and Klali for myself, meaning the sponsors, self, my children, and all of Hashem's children. Be'ez Hashem for all of Am Yisrael. Okay, so let's dive in. This is very exciting because we're starting a new Sicha. After many, many, many months of Sicha Nun Aleph, we are now jumping into Sicha Nun Beis to the 52nd teaching and Rabbi Nachman's incredible masterpiece, Sichas Haran. And we are going to share the screen and we're going to delve into this piece together. Okay. Says the Rebbe, and I hope that everybody's feeling well. <clears throat> I hope everybody's strong, happy, and healthy, and enjoying their summer. Hashem's help. Sicha Saran Nun Beis says the Hilgar Rebbe Schusiag and Elena Val Kol Yisrael Amen VaAmen. Mikol Hadvarim Soyek Kfoid Hashem Yisbarach. From everything, and thing doesn't just mean like a three-dimensional item. From everything. Right? Everything is not just like everything. Everything. Every molecule, every sound wave, every smell, every sight, 
every experience, every feeling, every thought, mikol hadvarim, from everything, everything, soyek kvoyed Hashem Yisbarach. The glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is soek, is crying out. We're going to see what, it's cry, what is it crying out. What, why, why can't it just say Hashem's glory is found in everything, is revealed in everything. What's soek? It's screaming, it's shouting, it's howling. Because as the Pasuk tells us, the entire world, the whole earth, is saturated, meloy is absolutely permeated and saturated with kvaidai, with his glory. On a literal level, on a simple level, more simple level, if you had to explain this to somebody, what does this mean? The world is filled with Hashem's glory. So the normative, more simple and simplistic understanding is that just like the way in which an inventor's brilliance is revealed through his invention or her invention and we get able to look at something wow this is something special a person accomplishes something a person uh, creates something uh, an artist draws a painting so that painting is an object of glory in relation to the artist because it's through this engagement it's through this creation it's through this process that the incredible talent of that artist was able to come to manifestation. So in a certain way, it's just a matter of attributing the incredible brilliance, infinite brilliance of the creator of the universe to his creation. And on that level, it's simple, right? The world is filled with the glory of Hashem in as much as we're able to point our finger at the complexity and at the incredible, incredible detail and the infinite amount of brilliance that goes into the human body. And it, and it really should be, I mean, it, it probably is a chiv diaraisa to learn about the human body because it's mamish anoichi Hashem lekecha. It's emuna. It's it's kol mitzvaysecha emuna b'chabakuk v'amidon alachas. It's sadik ve'emunasa yichia. Where do you get emuna from? Study the human body, like Rabbi Bukder Miller, you know, which is really Rabbi Nachman and Torah Aleph for Shara Bechina and the Chavis Alvavis. Study nature, but more importantly, study the human body, who is him or herself a microcosm of the entire created world. Study the human body. Forget the human body. Study the eye. Go to the library, take out a book, go on Google if you have access to the internet, and Google search. Or Hashem, you know, when, when, I'm, when I'm sick, what do I do the whole week? I just Google search. I'm <laughs> like, I just do deep dives into like the most random things that I choose to research at that period of time. So last week was a pretty interesting one. And you know, Wikipedia goes before you know it. You, you're nowhere near where you started. Um, but Baruch Hashem, that's the beauty of, of having a library on your dining room table, you know, fully accessible all the time. It's an incredible tool if used properly. So search, search, search the human eye. Search the process of the fetus developing into a human being. Watch a time lapse, which I was like to do. Watch a time lapse from the moment of conception all the way, all the way, all the way through. Nine months is not a long period of time. And in nine months, really in 40 days, Chazal tell us the fetus already has, like a, a couple of weeks in, the fetus already takes on the form of a human being. Study that. The amount of godly glory that is contained within the marvel of his creation is alone a sufficient 
interpretation of these words, But the problem is that that kind of interpretation doesn't seem to fit with the words God's glory screams out from everything? Not really. I mean, it's, yeah, I guess maybe metaphorically, proverbially, it screams out because it's so blatant. But it seems that the screaming is more communicative in nature, is more human in nature in a sense, is more substantive than simply allowing us to find the glory of the Creator in His creation. So ache, something's happening. Some, there's a message that's supposed to be relayed. What is that message? What is covered? Very simply, we probably mentioned this in the past, a deeper understanding of kavod is that kavod is always connected to the concept as we're going to learn very deeply. We might not be able to finish this all in one shear. It's a very big Indian. We may have to continue next week, but we'll start. We'll do as much as we can with no pressure ever. Chas v'shalom. Pressure is never good. But we're going to try to go gently and sweetly with Hashem's help. What is kavod? Kavod is connected to malchus. So the Pasuk says, Kvod malchuscha yomeru. The glory of your Malchus, Yameru, we will say over. Kavod and Malchus always go together. Like we say, after Kriya Shema, in Kriya Shema, Baruch, Shem, we say, Kivoid Malchusai. Malchus and Kavod have a very, very deep connection, one with the other. And this is obvious, right? That if we had to think of who is fitting to have glory attributed to him as a king, right? Kingly glory, Kvoid Malachim. Like the Pasuk says, Kvayim Malachim Chakar Dabar. Kavod and Malachim always go together. Glory and kingship. Now we know that Malchus, vis-a-vis the master of heaven and earth, Malchus is related very deeply to the Shekhinah. Very deep. What's the Shekhinah? It's the indwelling presence of God. Now, that makes it very easy for us to come up with a completely different interpretation for this word, Kavod. How so? There are two kinds of presence. I don't mean present like a gift. There are two kinds of meanings that the word presence can take on. The first kind is to say that a person is present and referring to that person's being present, we say, ah, his presence, right? He is here, his presence. We were graced by his presence, right, or her presence. But there's a completely different meaning of the word as well. And the completely different meaning of the word presence is that there are certain people that have presence. Ever heard that described? A person, this person has presence. What does that mean? This person is always here? No, it's not talking about that person's presence in the moment or in a certain context. We are describing something about that person that's really very difficult to put your finger on. What does it mean? When we say that a person has presence, how do you define that in words? What is that? What is it? What we mean is, is that the person's presence is very easily felt. When a person walks into the room, even though you didn't see them, you felt them. There was a presence, there's an energy, there's a vibe, there's a feeling that ripples over the crowd. Where did that come from? The person didn't say a word, the person didn't do anything, but the person carries a sense of presence. Presence is the communication of an indwelling spirit that's able to overflow and impact and affect. Now, if Malchus is the divine presence, 
which we now understand to mean not simply the first definition, which means that God is present. Of course, that's true. But we refer to that feeling, that perception, that being overwhelmed by the feeling that we're not alone, even when you're lonely, even when you are alone. You walk alone and it's late at night and you're on your deck outside on a lonely summer night and it's just, you're sitting there with a beer or just, you know, you're alone. And you look up at the starry sky. Somehow you feel that there's something else there sharing that space with you. That's the divine presence. Can't put your finger on it. Very difficult to describe, but it's there. Now, if kavod is synonymous with malchus, because like we've brought psukim kvoid malchus chayameru, or baruch shem kvoid malchusa, kavod and malchus go together, that would then mean that this pasuk meloi chala aretz kvoidoi, the earth is filled with his glory, really means something completely different. The earth reverberates, echoes with his presence. The feeling, the perception that even though we can't see him and even though we can't put our finger on it and even though we can't taste it or smell it or hear it, we have the sense that we're not alone. We have the sense that we're surrounded and filled by a life force that goes beyond anything in the created world. Something that represents the source from which everything else derives. Now that kind of kavod we can understand what Ibn Nachman means to tell us here. Let's read the words again. God's indwelling presence and the sense that HaKadosh Baruch who fills and surrounds all worlds, that screams out from the created world if only we have the eyes to see it. If only we have the sense and we haven't yet sullied ourselves to the point that we stop feeling that way. It's one of those tricky things. It's there if you see it. And if you turn your eyes away from it, there's no chance. Yismach lev mevak Hashem, the heart of those that are searching for God are already filled with joy. What joy? The joy of finding Him. But they haven't found Him yet. But they're open to the search. If a person's willing, if a per like the Kotzker says, where is God? Wherever you let Him in. If a person is open to it, and a person's looking for it, then mikol hadvarim, from every single, not thing, from every experience, every single experience, the good times and the bad times, everything, every moment of every hour of every day, there's the feeling, so ache, something is shouting, something is screaming, that I can't put my finger on, but there's gotta be more to this experience than the experience of this experience. There's got to be more, there's more meaning here. What is that? That's the presence that we're overwhelmed by. That's the kavod of Hashem. Rabbi Nachman says something radical. Even from the stories of the Gentiles, secular literature, the Brothers Grimm, Disney, from there also, the presence of God calls out to us from there as well. It's an open pasuk, even though nobody saw this before Ibn Ahmed came along. What does it literally mean? That one day in the future, even in the nations of the world, they will say over. And they will even recount and discuss among themselves the glory of God. 
says Rabbi Nachman, no, doesn't mean that. It means something deeper. Sapru bagoyim. Even the stories, sapru milashen sipur, like the stories of the nations of the world, there too, kevoidai. Sha'afilu b'sipure hagoyim tzoyik kvoid Hashem All the presence of God is screaming out from even the unconscious production of literature that has nothing to do with religion at all. Nothing to do with any religion. Forget about Yiddishkeit. Forget about Avodah Hashem. Just nothing. Fairy tales. Rabbi Nachman says, if you're looking, you're able to find God there too. Because there is no experience in this world where a person is not given the ability to sense something that goes beyond that immediate experience inside and outside. Meaning to say within the person as well as within whatever experience that person is currently experiencing. Whatever the person is feeling, whatever the person is eating, whatever the person smells or sees or hears, go beyond by going within. Remove yourself from the external realm of that simple, this worldly definition of what the person is doing at that moment, eating a bag of chips. Very simple. Everybody does it. Person enjoys it. No, but there's something deeper because there's the you that's doing the eating and there's the soul of the food that's being consumed that will be converted into energy. Like the Pasuk says, A person doesn't live off the food, a person lives off the divine energy in the food. And if we become conscious, if a person becomes elevated in such a sense, every moment of life, the most mundane thing in the world, you overhear a conversation in the coffee shop, it says something to you. And you know what happens then? You become intensely interested in life, which is precisely the opposite of where most people are at today. People want to check out. People want to check out because life is just not as interesting as the alternatives in the sense of distraction. We need movies because life is not overtly as exciting as that. The stories aren't as well constructed. The drama is not as overt. But that's because we become numb because we take things for granted. But to stop for a second, wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know something? I'm going to live this life today like I'm watching a meaningful movie. See how the first couple of hours go for you. Take an interest in life. Take an interest in life. Presume meaning. Assume that things are meaningful. And see what happens. You know what will happen? wonder of wonders, things will become meaningful. The more we are willing to let God in, the more God is found. But it begins with a conscious decision on our part, like the Pasuk says, Tamu uru Taste it and see that God is good. It requires an opening. And so with all of our cynicism, which so many of us have, which is fine, there is a certain sense of like, you show it to me first and then I'll be open to it. That's not the way that Yiddishkeit works. God says it's very sweet and nice. You can keep on standing at the locked gates. But until you're willing to open the gates of your heart, these gates are never opening for you. It begins with bittel. It begins with an openness. It begins with a necessary rock bottom experience where life is just not working for us anymore. And in that moment, we break. And blissfully, we break open. And we say, Rebbe <laughs> Shalom, I can't anymore. 
I just can't do it anymore. I've, I, I can't. I need you. I need to be open to something else, to the possibility that life can be filled with absolute ultimate meaning. I'm going to try the best that I can to open my heart and to open my mind and the next meal that I have to be conscious of what's going on here. And when I walk down the street, like I said before, I mean it, in a gas station, in the supermarket, at school, wherever we are, keep your ears open. There is nothing in this world that is meaningless because there is nothing in this world from which God's glory does not shout, does not scream. Mikol hadvarim soyek kvod Hashem Starting to live like this changed my life. I wish that I could hold on to this all the time and I readily admitting to you that I struggle with this, like all of us. It's not easy because the world is extremely convincing. It's not even close. I mean, this is all we're exposed to. It's not even as if like we had an hour every day where, you know, where we were tapped into or privy to a deeper spiritual reality. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, <clears throat> 365 days a year, and decades and decades and decades, this is all we got. It's extremely convincing. It's extremely distracting. It's extremely challenging. But there was a period of time, and I, I, I was zochet to delve very deeply into the writings of Rav Levi Yitzhak of Berdichev, and I mamish started to live this way. It was like a shifted everything. Every minute of life, my ears were open, my eyes were open. What's God telling me now? What communication is coming through? What's the meaning of this experience? I still have some moments where I'm able to hold on to that, very rare, but I try. But let's make an effort together to be open, tamu, to open our mouths and say, like the Pasuk says, Harchiv Picha, Hashem says, open your mouth, I'm ready to feed you. I'm ready to give you what you need. I'm ready to fill you with sustenance. I'm ready to let you take your life to the next level, to rise above the noise, to rise above the stupidity, to rise above the momentary transience. I'm ready to hold your hand to lift you up. Can you please let me in? To be able to live in such a way, to never be alone. Do you know what kind of loneliness exists in the world today? And I'm not talking about loneliness, people who have no friends. I'm talking about the people that have the most friends. I'm talking, today it's not friends. Well, it used to be friends on Facebook. Today it's followers on TikTok, on Twitter. Do you know how lonely people are? Desperately lonely. Again, I'm talking about people that have many, many, many friends and are surrounded by social scenes and parties and people are desperately lonely. Because you can have a thousand friends, but if you can't find one person that's willing to literally sit with you, listen to you, feel you, understand you, you're lonely, you're alone. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu ultimately is the only one that can know us completely. You know how I know that? Because the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avas, Don't judge your brother, your friend, until you're standing in his place. So essentially what that's saying is never judge because you're never going to be standing in somebody else's shoes. You can't right? because if you were standing in their literal place, they wouldn't exist. And if they're standing there, then you can't be there, right? So all the while that that person is in the world, you can never be in their place. But guess what? Hashem judges. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Melech HaMishpat, Melech Oyeh Tzedakah Mishpat, God judges. Whoa, God judges. 
God himself told me I can't judge until I'm standing in your place. What's the answer, of course? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the master of heaven and earth, is referred to as Mikoyma Shal Olam, the place of the world, which means because he's in your place, he can judge. Because he's the only being that can literally be even though the other being is still existing there. Because it's all an illusion. We are refracted sparks of divinity. We are here and God is here. I'm sitting in this chair, kiviachal, so to speak, God is sitting in this chair. And that means to say that from the moment that I emerged from the womb, I was not alone. And the Darah Midbar is not the only one that HaKadosh Baruch Hu accompanies step by step, literally holding their hand every single turn, every single, every single step that I ever took and every single step that you ever took from the moment that you started to walk and even long before that. Hashem is there and He understands better than any therapist, better than anybody who's able to try to reconstruct some kind of story based on your fragmented memories. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is there, was there, will be there. Don't all of us need that? I need that. Don't all of us need to walk down the street and know that we're surrounded by a being that's communicating with us, that feels us, that loves us, that gets us, that understands us, that doesn't judge us, and if he judges us, judges us favorably? To live in a world where every moment is bursting with meaning, where even the most meaningless actions like tying my shoes become a contact point with eternity, that's a different kind of living. That's a different kind of living. That even from the stories of the Gentiles, from the most unlikely places, God's glory calls out. Rabbi Nachman says, the presence of God, the glory of God, shouts out, screams out, roars out from the heart of being constantly. And you know what the message is? Well, what's he shouting all the time? What's the message? The message is, I'm begging you. I want a relationship with you. I want to be close to you. I want to be allowed into your life. I want to live with you. And in so doing, I want to fill your life with meaning and blessing and joy and pleasure. I want to fill your life with a sense of direction, focus, clarity. I want to fill your life with sustenance, physical and spiritual. What is the message? What's God saying? You stink. You know, some people walk around. That's the message they get from God. Everywhere they look, you stink. Or you can't do this. Or don't touch that. Or you can't, can't look there. What's the message God is sending me? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, My sweet child, I'm here for you. Take my hand. I'm walking with you. I want you to live. Forget about the, like we always say, forget about the eternal reward of the next world. It means very little to us today. I want you to live a life saturated with meaning and with the joy that comes along with living in a healthy way without needing to escape, which first begins with a soft escape, you know, just a little bit distracting, getting away, 
And then quickly before we know it, oftentimes, especially today, spirals very quickly out of control before we don't know what's up and what's down and we're completely in an emotional and spiritual vertigo, which is a very, very painful place to be. And it started out innocently, like we know from the story of the lost princess. It starts out just with, hey, that's supposed to be water. Why is it red? Oh, okay, strange, you know, water that smells like wine and so on and so forth. Before you know it, you're sleeping for 70 years and you don't know what hit you because all you wanted was just to feel okay. And a Kaddish Baruch Hu's saying, there's another way. It might be a little less popular, but that's just because people are stupid. Because people don't know what's good for them. There's another way. And this way is not under, it's over. Because everybody's masking, every single person on this Zoom. And I'm so privileged that you're sitting with me and learning with me. And we're learning together. Everybody knows that today we cannot survive with the status quo. We can't. And we're not expected to. We're in exile. We're in a bedievet situation. Don't be fooled by the local shuls and by the local yeshivas and with all the campaigns and with the siyamashas. Don't be fooled. This is a fragment of a fragment of a tiny little broken ember of a shard that exists after a whole palace is burnt to the ground. This is what's remaining of Yiddishkeit today. It's miraculous. It's incredible. It's not only what it is. Nobody's making light of it, but that's the truth in relation, I mean, we're coming to the three weeks, you know, in relation to what Yiddishkeit is supposed to look like, we're on our deathbed. Of course, we're, of course we're struggling. After a Holocaust, generational trauma, like, of course we're suffering. Everybody's su everybody here is suffering. That's why we're here, because we're all suffering in some way. The, the question is, what do you do about it? And for most people today, the answer is simple. Down you go. Take a deep breath. Down. For however long, that you, for however long you can. And unfortunately, some people drown in that. What are they? They're bad people? No. I, I, I personally don't know what the definition of Russia is today. I, I, don't, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know any wicked people. I know, I know people who are in pain. I know people that are looking f for help and that, that happen to be looking in the wrong places. Rabbi Nachman came to the world to teach us that there's another way and that way is up, not down. Nobody's telling you that you have to just stay there. Keep your head in the Gemara. Keep on reading. It'll, it'll be enjoyable one day. Nah, it might not. Maybe, yeah, maybe no. That's not what the Rabbi Nachman's telling you. He's telling you there's a way over there's a way higher. There's a way to develop wings. There's a way to fly. There's a way to fly in such a way that you're able to hold other people and carry them up with you in a way that's healthy, in a way that's balanced, in a way that provides eternal pleasure that doesn't just dim out whatever pain we're feeling in the moment and then leave us with the broken shards of what we thought was going to leave us with, with fulfillment. This is Rabbi Nachman's Chiddush. And this is a life of emuna. Doesn't just mean to say, you know, thank you Hashem and, and I believe, you know, and, and Baruch Hashem and Emirz Hashem. That's all good. That's all great. Emuna means embodied faith, where I'm willing to put my faith to the test, in a sense that I'm willing to lean on it. I'm willing to put it to work. I'm willing to find God in everything, not simply to allow Him to remain some kind of theoretical concept or construct that I like. It sounds okay, but like there was a being that created the world. Maybe he has a long white beard. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's clean shaven. I don't know, but I, I know that like you know makes sense. That's 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 okay. That's not what we're talking about. 
We're talking about living with God. We're talking about not being able to breathe without a Kaddish Baruch Hu being front and center in our lives, in every circumstance, in every experience, being receptive to the messages that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is sending us. I told a story to one of the Heber recently. We're for sure going to have to go back into this next time because there's so much to get to. We're just starting. Hashem's help. I don't feel rushed. I, I hope nobody here feels rushed either. Um, there's a story that Rav Mendel of Futurfas was one of the very prestigious Chabad Hasidim of the previous generation. He told that he was sent down into whether it was Siberia or some kind of extreme, extreme camp where they were sent to work in the freezing cold in Russia. And he was there with a bunch of different kinds of people, Jews and Poles and other people that were sent to this place to be together over there. And from time to time, even the soldiers that were guarding them were getting very, very bored. You know, and there was all sorts of things that they were trying to do to keep themselves busy and preoccupied. And one day they were listening into the conversations of the prisoners and they overheard that somebody was saying that in his past life, before he was sent to this place, he was a tightrope walker. Incredible, incredible tightrope walker. He was able to walk very long distances, super high up on a very, very thin thread. And nobody believed him because over there you could say anything you want. Nobody can prove you right or wrong. Nobody believed him. Didn't make sense, you know. How do you end up here? And he didn't look like he was the right fit, and people just laughed it off. But he kept on telling them, he said, I'm, I promise you, give me a rope. Tie it between two, any two trees you see, and I'll walk it. And again, they, they laughed him off. He was very adamant about it. And finally, the soldiers that were listening to this, they thought it would provide them with some entertainment also. So they said, you know something? Let's, let's make it happen. <laughs> Why not? Right? His life is not worth anything to us anyway. If he could, then it's entertaining. If he can't, then it's fine. So we're, you know, we're, no, we're no worse off without him. And so they found some string that was strong enough, the right material, and they strung it on the two tallest, extremely tall trees on a very, very long distance, one, one tree from the next. Finally, okay, the day comes. It's much celebrated. And it was spread around to all the people over there that there's going to be this incredible uh, you know, event. And everybody gathers together, and there's two Yidin that are standing there, and one of them just refuses to look. He's just, he's so nervous. And the person who's going to be walking the tightrope walks by, and he sees this Jew, you know, he's covering his eyes. He just, he doesn't want to look. He doesn't believe. He never heard of such a thing. A person, it's impossible. A person can walk on a tightrope. You and I have seen it. We know that such a thing is, 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 is doable, at, you know, at least. He doesn't believe it. So he, he climbs up the tree to one side and he gets himself steady over there where he was holding one of those sticks there. You know, he gets himself aligned. And he calls down and he says, um, he says, do you believe I can do it? And the Jew is, he's, he's mamish terrified. He doesn't want to see a suicide in front of his eyes. He's going to be traumatized the rest of his life. He screams, no, he says, don't do it. <laughs> you know, you're a fool. It's impossible. He says, watch. And step in front of step, steadily, confidently, walks across the length of the entire rope. And everybody's cheering and everybody's clapping. And it's unbelievable. But the Jew thinks to himself, he says, no. So he got lucky one time, right? He got lucky. So he's ready to walk back. He calls back down. He says, now do you believe I can do it? And the Jew says, ah, still not. Don't do it. It's too dangerous. It's 
terrible, terrible thing to do. And again, makes his way back across with the rope. So by this point, he realizes if he's going to say that he thinks that he can't do it, he's going to do it. Let him just say that he believes that he could do it because he, he, he does believe he can do it, right? But he doesn't need to see this anymore. He calls down, he says, I'm ready to go again. Do you believe I can do it? He said, yeah, yeah but now we for sure believe, we believe, we see it. You can, I believe you can do it, I believe it. He says, ah, do you believe that I can do it in a wagon? And he says, he says, yeah, I believe you can do it in a wagon. I, could, I believe you can do it, you know, pushing somebody in a wagon for sure. He says, oh, okay. Are you ready to sit in the wagon? <laughs> you believe I can do it. Are you ready to sit in this wagon? See, he's not ready to sit in the wagon, right? He believes he can do it, sure, if it's somebody else. But I'm not ready to sit in that wagon. And all of a sudden, there's a little girl who calls out from the back of the crowd, I'm ready. I'm ready to sit in that wagon. I can't believe it. They hoist this girl up. They carry her up to the tree. They put her in. And she, without end breaking a sweat, just sits there, the big smile across her face, and the tightrope walker pushes her in the wagon across the tightrope. And when she comes down, they asked her, whoa, how did you have the courage? How are you so brave? And she says, you don't understand. She says, the tightrope man, that's my father. That's my father. And if he's gonna put me in the wagon, it's not a question in my mind whether he can do it or not. He can do it. And Rav Mendel of Futterfaust says that this is the difference between Amuna and Bitachon. A lot of people have Amuna. Sure, I believe. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, there's a God. Baruch Hashem, Ezra Hashem. Hashem. Of course, I believe there's a God. Bitachon is, I'm willing to sit in the wagon. Bitachon means I'm willing to lean on God. Bitachon means I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and to, and to live with God. Well, where do we find that strength? We find that strength by recognizing that our God is the tightrope walker and that the tightrope walker is our father and that a Kodesh Baruch who doesn't put us into situations we can't handle and life is challenging. Let nobody fool you and, and, and say that life is always easy. Life is tough and there are great moments and there are difficult moments. That's life. There are ups and downs. There are winters and summers. That's just, that's, that's days and nights. But when we understand that whenever we find ourselves in a wagon being pushed across a tightrope and we look down and can't even see what we're relying on because the wagon is covering the source of, of our foundation, Remember to look behind you. Remember that there's somebody pushing the wagon and that that somebody is our father and that that somebody knows precisely what he's doing. Are we willing to live with Amuna? To open up our ears, to open up our minds and our eyes and our hearts and our souls, to be able to perceive the living spirit of life in everything which is rooted in what's called the Chai HaChayim, the life of life, the soul of all souls the spirit of all spirit, which is the creator of heaven and earth, who didn't just create the world from some heavenly abode that he looks down upon us, you know, but he suffused himself within creation so that he is present in this moment on every single level, every particle, like we said before, everything doesn't just mean a thing, like a water bottle or a, or a you know, a, a keyboard or, or, or a phone. Everything means air, 
fire, water, earth, esh, ruach, mayim, afar. Every element in existence, no matter how dark, no matter how delicate, like air or water, it seems, or how physical and coarse like our bodies, there's life in that. What's keeping my cells together? What is making this hand remain in the form of a hand? There's life there. It's pulsating with energy. Forget about the blood. Forget about that. I'm talking about just the skin, just the plain old dross corporeal material physicality. To sit and focus, become present, and to realize that this is a revelation of God that's no less than the splitting of the Red Sea. That's no less than the giving of the Torah on Har Sinai. That's no less than the miracle of Hanukkah and the miracle of Purim. It's a miracle. What's our problem? We get used to it. We get used to it. And therefore, we have to escape to all different kinds of places to get away so that we can give our souls a little bit of a hit when we don't realize that every single experience in life is the grandest opportunity for an adventure. If you have the heart of an adventurer, if you still are young, and you can be a teenager and be very old, and you can be 70, 80, 90 years old, and you could be filled and, and, and absolutely, completely saturated with the spirit of youth. What's youth? Youth is a readiness for adventure, is an openness to opportunity. It's a spirit that says yes to tomorrow instead of burying my head back under the pillows. Paradoxically, that's what teenagers do even more than adults, but not because adults don't want to do that. It's because we can't, because we have responsibilities, unfortunately. Right? But teenagers don't, and so they do what all of us would do anyway. What is it? What are we trying to run away from? Embrace, embrace, be a morning person. You know, people say, I'm not a morning person, especially not on Mondays. I'm not a morning person. Be a morning person. Try it. Get up early. Get up earlier than you would. Embrace life. Open yourself up to life. You'll find freedom there. You'll find opportunity there. You'll find feeling, meaning, transcendence, comfort, clarity, guidance, spirit, energy. And then you'll be able to give that over to other people when you are on fire. And nobody's going to do that for you. You alone. Each and every one of us, nobody's going to do it for us, no matter how old, no matter what stage we are, younger, a little bit older, later in life, it's on us. And there's no moment like now. It's a nice song to sing. What does it mean? It means that I cannot rely on anyone to give this to me. It needs to become a decision that I make on my own. If it's coming from someone else, then it's going to rely on that someone else or that somewhere else or that chasidus or that rebbe or that person or that teacher or that safer. It's going to rely on something else. I need to find it within myself so that even when every other circumstantial structure falls away, I got it. I got it because we already have it. The only question is, do we have the guts? That's really what it is. Do we have the guts to break away from what the quote-unquote norm is, the normal consciousness, which is really not normal, it's abnormal in relation to what normalcy looks like, but it's normal for today, and to live higher. With all of the ridicule that we might get, and with all the people looking at us like, oh, what's that guy, breast level, you know? Like, like they, like they found like some kind of strange bug that they found under their carpet. You're like, 
you know, Kute Maran, what, what is that? So have the guts, stand up and do it. Be a morning person, be different, be young, be young. This is our decision to make and ours only, and there's no moment like now. Then Rabbi Nachman continues. And he says, This that a person from time to time, hopefully it happens, and this itself is not so clear that it happens, which is why directly after this, Rabbi Nachman moves into a caveat, which we'll get to in a minute. But from time to time, I hope there's been moments in your life, and certainly in my life, I hope, where we're davening and maybe we don't feel so connected and we're just sort of mumbling the words and we'll be lucky if we don't like end up in, in benching like from the middle of Shemana Esrei and then we don't really know how to get back to where we were in the middle of. Like, you know, you can totally get lost and just... But if we're going through the davening we don't feel so connected and then all of a sudden, boom, pitom, instantly something opens up and we become filled with passion and feeling. What is that? Where does that come from? That for, it's one bracha, it's two brachas, couple of words. It's like a gate opens. And all of a sudden you become super focused, super present, and your heart is alive. And then it can shut off again, it can close, the valve closes, and then you move on four brachas later, and you're, 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 you know, you're thinking about the, the, you know, the, the pregame of whatever, whatever game is that night, right? But for a moment you had it. Where'd that come from? Says Rabbi Nachman, Zehu or Hashem Yisbarach ba'atzmoi kiviyachol, shenislabish boy v'koyra oisay la'avidas Yisbarach. That is a revelation of godliness. That blessing of momentary openness that comes suddenly, not because you were trying. I mean, you were trying. You came to shul and you're davening, right? So of course, you're, in some sense, you're trying. But you weren't, there was no natural trajectory. It wasn't like you had put in all this effort and prepared and purified your mind and meditated and you went into davening and you, you were just, you were davening. And all of a sudden, boom, like it, something hit you. You don't even know at what point. It was such a smooth transition. But your, your heart is open. Your mind is open. And for a moment, you sense that you're davening that your davening is a, is a conversation with the creator of heaven and earth, who's real, who's listening. That's God himself. And it is God calling you to him. Because this feeling, that emotion, that perception, that inspiration, this is not just a revelation of God, that's God Himself. Want to feel God? What does that feel like? That. That. Being overwhelmed with openness, radical openness, radical seizure, not like having a seizure, but with a C, seizure in the moment to stop, to seize, feeling the ego, to stop feeling our own thoughts and to stand like a ready vessel 
That means the king came to visit, because that's what happens when the king comes to visit. All the very, very important mayors and all the sheriffs with all their spins and their very important cars and motorbikes, when the, when the president, okay, maybe not this president, when eight or any president, maybe of recent history, but when the king, whatever that is, when a king or queen comes, they're nothing. It's, it's not even, it's a joke. They stand along with everybody else. The five minutes ago, they were the big leader of the, you know, the, the mayor of the small town somewhere in middle America. All of a sudden, they're, they're like everybody else. That means that God himself is shining his light into you in such a way that for a moment you stop. And I, I don't mean to say you stop doing, like you stop doing something. You, I mean you stop. You stop. All the thoughts, all the worrying about the past, the planning for the future, the distractions, that you stop. And all of a sudden you stand open before the living presence of God. You stand in radical readiness. That's the light of Hashem. That's shining down into you. As the Pasik says, Bachinas, Hu Tihilazacha, Vuhu Alekecha. He is your praise and He is your God, meaning your tefillah is God itself. Is a re Again, it's a revelation of God's presence, God's glory. For a Jew to come to shul or to daven at home, whatever it is, whatever you're holding, and to open your mouth five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, whatever you're able to do on your level. And you look up and you say, okay, <laughs> seems a little silly, but I'm ready. I'm ready for something. I'm ready to let you in. I'm ready to shut me off and to open up to my higher self. That's divine. That's divine. Where should a human being in a godless world find the strength to set aside time to open up to the being that he or she has difficulty believing in sometimes? What is that? That itself is a revelation of godliness. God himself is your prayer. That itself is a revelation of godliness. Like the Pasuk says, Not that I believed in God and so I spoke to him. I believed in him because I spoke to him. You find it very, very hard to not believe in the person or the being that you're speaking to. It might seem like make-believe. That's okay. That's the way this game works. It might seem like pretend. Try it. Open your heart. Take five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes off. Tefillah is hard to do. Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Nachman gave us the gift of Hispodidus. Personal prayer. Use your own words. Speak like you'd speak to a friend. Shut your door. Go outside for a walk. Like I always say, pretend like you're on the phone. Have a Bluetooth in. If you're in the car, that's all the better. And talk to the creator of heaven and earth. In your own words, in a real, vulnerable, sincere, honest, open way without any pretenses and not like, oh, I'm like God, like, no. Like he's your best friend in the world. Be open with him. Be open with him. He knows it all anyway. He's in your place. He gets you better than anybody else gets you. Even when you don't get yourself, open up, pour out your heart. It's not pretty when water spills out. Where does it go? It doesn't say pour out your heart like water into a funnel that will go into the pipe, that will go where it's supposed to go. Just shivchi 
just all over the place, splattered. Means to say, I don't even have a direction. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't come to his bodhidus with a plan. I don't sit there and be like, okay, I have life figured out. Now, if only I could have this spot filled and this spot filled and that thing, then the painting would be complete. But I, like, I got it under control. Heaven and, you know, master of heaven and earth, I, I need you to come in, like for, you know, just this part and that part and this part, but everything else, I pretty much have it. I come to his bodhidus and say, boom, I just like a paintball shot, you know, just splatter all over the place. Shivchi kamayim libech, be open. Open up, and God will reveal Himself. Because Hakadosh Baruch Hu only fills an empty vessel. It's not that, okay. So if I have this much empty space in my vessel, that's how much godliness comes down. That's not the way it works with Hashem. Your vessel is either completely empty, in which case it's completely filled with God, or it's completely filled with you, in which case even your religious engagement is going, and I say your, I mean mine, engagement is going to be extremely, extremely clogged. Clogged, which is what most of our davening, learning, most of us are, are totally clogged up today, which we think is normal, but it's not normal, it's abnormal. It's a normal for gullus, but we're marching toward Geula. You and me are gonna bring the redemption together. How are we going to do it? By being vulnerable, by being open, by opening up our heart and saying, I need a friend. I need to stop feeling lonely. I need to feel as if I'm in a wagon on a tightrope that I already feel, but that I can feel your breathing, living presence behind me. And Hashem says, I'm ready, but turn around. Just turn around. Maybe this is what halacha is all about. Maybe this is what the Torah is all about. It's an exercise in enabling us to turn around. It's an exercise in enabling us to, to stop you, right? Or you stop, to just shut off the anoichi oimei beinalaveinchem, the anoichi is the I, the, the ego that stands between a body that can be filled with the Spirit of God and the Creator who wants nothing more than to reveal His presence through me and through you, and through all of us together as a Jewish nation, so that we can sanctify the whole world until the point that we say, to rectify the world with the presence of the living God. That itself is divine. Brokenness, openness, willingness, readiness, humility, that itself is divine. And so everybody's always looking, ah, oh, where do I find God? Where do I find Hashem? Where do I find Him? Stop it, okay? Stop looking outside of yourself. Stop looking outside of this moment. There's nothing less fake than the Creator. Because if he is what Rabbi Nachman refers to as the Mechuyiv Hametzias, the necessary extant, right? The only being that really exists, Klape, in relation to whom everything else is secondary because he created it. So he is all that really exists. There's nothing less fake than God. A mature conception of God, a high level understanding of Hashem. There's nothing less fake. Do you know what that means? That means that it is impossible to relate to Hashem when you're being fake impossible because the real with a capital R can only be accessed through the real with a lowercase r it's in the moment when we're ready 
because life pushes us to such a place or we have the seichel before Hashem needs to put us through that. Not as a punishment or not because He's cruel, but because He wants us to open to Him for real. Stop. Open your heart. Find silence, stillness. Shut off the distractions and the noise that drive you crazier than, than life itself that you're trying to escape from. Stop. People need full-time secretaries for the social media today. It's like it became a whole geschäft that doesn't make you money most of the time. Like you need to hire somebody to take, I don't know how people do it with Twitter and TikTok and YouTube and all this stuff. I, drives me, I have WhatsApp alone. I can't get back, you know, it's, it's, it's impossible. I don't know how people do it. it. Drives us crazy. Find a pocket of stillness. Hashem blessed us with Shabbos. Find the Makar HaBracha in your day. Shabbos is the Makar HaBracha in your week. Make a little bit Shabbos. You could also do that. Make an even earlier Shabbos on Tuesday, right? Make Shabbos. Find five minutes of your day. Okay, this is my Shabbos. Sit down. Ki'ilu, like it says about Shabbos. Kal Melachtecha Asuya, right? It makes it very, very difficult when we come to an actual Shabbos because Shabbos is so like... It's so programmed already. Okay, yeah, Shabbos. Okay, comes Friday. We don't even think about it. We put down all of our stuff. We move into Shabbos. We go into Shabbos. And we have Sudas and everything else. Try, this is a Chiddush, try to apply everything that you know about Shabbos to a 10-minute period during the week. Try that. I'm going to try that. Believe me, take 10 minutes. To, what's today? Monday? 10 minutes. Tomorrow. By you guys, it's still a little earlier in the day. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. 10 minutes. And all of what we know about Shabbos, for example, like Chazal tell us, we should consider it as if there's nothing left to do, like Abraham Rattenberg sings, right? There's nothing left to do. Find 10 minutes in your day tomorrow, move into that consciousness, into a state of readiness, into a state of openness. If from that space, we can then speak to Hashem in our own words, but just to sit there, to open up and to exercise embodied faith can become the key that opens all the heavenly storage houses of godly light and revelation. We come to the end. We did not get, we didn't even finish the piece. You have no idea how much we had over here. Bezer Hashem, we'll get to it next week. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to do to delve very deeply into this idea. We're just touching on the surface of the surface of the surface. But all of us know that the surface is where it's really at, right? Because all the pilpul and all the learning, it's very beautiful. The bottom line is, like we say, And Hashem should really, I hate saying it in such a way like, you got, you should. You're just listening in. I'm talking to myself. I, I mamish hope that I could do this. Because I know that you are doing it much more than me. I hope that I could do this. And, and I bless us together. We should bless each other. That we should mamish link arms and march into the next couple of days with a conscious, making a conscious effort to pick up the reverberating echo of the kavod of Hashem that Rabbi Nachman says is tzoeik. I mean, it's screaming. It's not whispering. Like you don't have to put your ear to it. It's it's howling. But we've become so desensitized. Let's try to become a little bit more sensitive. Listen out for messages. Believe that things have meaning, and you will be surrounded by meaning everywhere you look. Hashem should bless you with it. Hashem should bless me with it. And let's stick together. Let's stick. We need each other. Let's stick together. Minutes to dawn. Hashem Shemamash, continue to bless us. Thank you all for joining, each and every one of you, especially those who had their videos on 
which <laughs> really makes me feel not alone. So I really appreciate that to all of you, to the new faces, to the old faces. Let's mamish. Try to live for real. Let's try to live for real. All the best. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your week. And uh, stay tuned for Bezer Hashem Sunday. Shiva Sarbatamas, Bezer Hashem the Besamikta should be built then, and we should not need that video at all. Just delete it, you know, and which would be fine with me. Uh, more than fine, fine with me, you know. Um, but uh, in the very, very sad case that the Beis Hamikdash is not yet here, there's something, something, a uh, consolation prize, you know, of some level. Beis Hashem on Shiva Asar the meaningful minute Shiva Asar film. It's really something special. I mean, you'll be seeing it, uh, links around. It, it, it's really something very, very profound. And uh, it's going to go down in my life as one of the great, great moments. So I can't wait to share it with you. With Hashem Sal. Okay, thank you all for joining. Have a great rest of the week. Kaltov Chavra, thank you. All the best. Thank you so much for joining. Recording.